What, in addition to the right equipment, does it take for the job of film editing? Welcome to The Cutting Room, the official podcast of FilmmakerU.com. Each week we bring in a film professional to discuss the craft of filmmaking, and this week is no different. This week I'm interviewing Chad Galster. He is the editor for Yellowstone, 1923, 1883, and he definitely has Taylor Sheridan's trust in that empire that they've built together. We're going to sit down and discuss how do you build that trust, how do you work with multiple stories over multiple series and how he likes to approach his editing now with that said if you like what you're hearing be sure to check us out at filmmakeru.com where you can get the latest of the top film crafts people teaching courses on how they like to approach their skill sets and this includes eric whip the colors for mad max sam pollard an award-winning editor but also one of hbo's go-to documentary filmmakers among many other great filmmaking craftspeople. And if you like all these, you can get them for 10% off by going to filmmakeru.com and using the code THECUTTINGROOM, all one word, THECUTTINGROOM. Now, with all that said, let's hear what Chad has to say about his partnership with Taylor. How involved were you with the sort of expansion of this universe? Like, what, what did you do? What was your role? How did you sort of help with it? You know, just, I mean, just in, in terms of editorial, like I read the scripts, uh, I get them pretty early, which is really cool. So like when 1883 came around, I read the whole thing and made me cry. Uh, and then we made the show and, and I got to edit uh, you know, the, the majority of the show and, uh, and a few other folks, of course. And, um, you know, my role is to just keep things moving, really. We do these shows on an incredibly tight, time schedule mm-hmm. um part of it is a function of like when you know when taylor gets done writing and then we're always bumping up against the winter where we shoot we shoot a lot of montana 1883 was montana but also largely in texas and a few other places you know having worked now with taylor since yellowstone season one one of the benefits is that i can keep things moving editorially um without a ton of communication with him um and so that frees him up to focus on writing the other shows. I mean, there's, gosh, now there's Lioness, which is our current project. There was 1923, there's Man of Kingstown, which he's involved in there with Tulsa King. Um, Tulsa King is the only one I haven't been involved in yet. And it was just another, I mean, at some point you run out of uh, hours in the day and days in the week. So just keeping the show moving and, and, and making something that he is, you know, I, I, some 90 to 95% happy with when he first sees it. And then he and I sit together and we hammer out the rest of it. Yeah, that's it. I mean, it, it is a it is a wild ride. It is uh, a lot of work. Uh, there's not a ton of sleep while we're doing it. Um, for both 1883 and 1923, we started shooting. 1883 is August of last year, premiered in December 1923. Or sorry, August of 21, premiered in in December 1923 was August of last year, premiered in December. So, for um, for production of this scale and scope, it is uncommon to to do things that quickly. So. Um, that's, you know, my role is to just help that happen. I mean, it takes, it takes two to 300 of us to do it, but I just, you know, my part is to get the editorial as streamlined as possible. Cause you talked about Taylor will be off shooting something or working on something then comes back and meets with you to hammer things out. But like, I usually go to him actually. I, I travel to wherever he is at the <laughs> yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. That would probably make more sense. Yeah. He doesn't come out to my house. To do yeah. It. Um, how much freedom do you have in there? Like in your head, are you trying to cut it the way he wants it or do you cut it the way you want it? And you've slowly gotten on the same page as him. Like, how do you get in his head? I guess? It's, it's a good question. I mean, the reason why he and I, I think, have worked together so successfully for so long is that I, I see things the way he does for the most part already. 
Um, and then one of the benefits of, of, a, of a relationship that goes on this long as well is there's a lot of professional trust on both sides. So I'm constantly doing things that I'm not sure he's going to like in the interest of like keeping things fresh and changing things up. You know, if I, you could, you could settle in, especially with the show like Yellowstone, it's been going for, for five seasons now. You could settle in on a, on, a, on a rhythm and a way of doing it and think that you've just got it licked. And I think at some point, um, rather quickly, the show would just become stale. I think you always have to be challenging yourself and trying new things, trying, you know, there may be a, a rodeo or, you know, some horse event that I've cut a version of a million times before, but I, I'm always looking for ways to do it differently. And um, and so he is very supportive of that. And if he doesn't like it, he'll tell me. Uh, but most of the time, I find that um, that he does. He responds positively to things that I'm trying that are experimental or a little crazy. And some of that's in the temp sound work that I do. I tend to do pretty, uh, you know, I, I spend a lot of time on, on temp sound and picture editors are all different about that. I just, I, it's a, it's a big part of it to me and I enjoy doing it. Mm -hmm. So, um, so yeah, we're always just trying to push the envelope and do something a little bit different. And, you know, he and I, uh, every week and a half or two at least get together, like I'll travel to if he's on set or if he's at his ranch. And we'll just sit in a room together. And, you know, whereas for the most part, we've all learned to communicate with Zoom like this. There's a there's an irreplaceable part of sitting in a room with someone and and seeing how they react to the subtle differences and changes that you've made. Um, it's just it's body language. It's it's, uh, you know, a breath or, or something like that. So so we make sure that we do that. And that's how we I, I make sure that I'm still in tune with what he wants to see. Well, and there's nothing like, uh, you know, the moment a show is not working when you're showing it to someone <laughs> for the first time and you're like, you could feel it. Oh, yeah, you, you can, can feel it. You could feel it. Certainly, you know, say it's a movie theater with two or 300 people in it, you can feel it. But if there's one person in the room and it's not working, you can feel it. Yeah. And you can't really feel it if, if you're, you know, separated, even this way, even if you're on a Zoom together or what have you, it's, it's, it's hard to really feel how it's going. But it is generally generally unmistakable when you are in that room with someone so we make sure that that is a part of our process and we've we've done that even through COVID we were doing that like as soon as you were legally allowed to fly I was flying like I was traveling to him there was a time when just you couldn't but then um very quickly I, I made sure that that was part of our workflow again because you mentioned you like to change things up or try things that he might not like mm -hmm. to keep things fresh but how do you keep yourself fresh when you're in this world so much like do you abandon all westerns outside or do you actually go and look at westerns and other films to try and be influenced it, I, I don't look at other westerns but it's not that i'm avoiding them really i just don't i don't think of our um this is going to sound stupid i don't think of our shows as westerns necessarily i mean they are by the strict definition of it i just think of them as, as stories about these this group of characters and so whether they were uh, in a ranch in Montana, whether they were in space, like we would just be telling the story of, of these folks dealing with life and death and their parents and their, their lovers and their, their, um, their battle with a lot of different groups of people. So whatever they are, those relationships are what I'm focusing on. So it doesn't to me require um, either a research of or an avoidance of Westerns. I think that as an artist, you should be continually exposing yourself to what's happening in the world. So, you know, to me, it's more like like listening to music and looking at photographs and, and other TV shows to the extent that I can. I mean, you know, we all keep so busy that it is difficult to uh, to keep entirely up to date. But I try to make sure that I watch what's current, uh, you know, at least some of it and, and see what other folks are doing. So it's more that than 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 trying to um, latch on to previous examples of this genre of work. You know, we're just uh, these are our stories. These are our characters. and and um, you could you could tell it with or without having watched uh, the searchers recently i mean i've seen all those films but i just yeah. uh i don't revisit them or avoid them you've had the 
amazing opportunity to work on footage from like Helen Mirren, Harrison Ford, oh, yeah. Kevin Costner, Sam Elliott. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Yeah. And when I think I, about it, like, oh my God, it's lucky you just pinch myself every day. Well, and I think about, you know, when you start out, you have to work on more independent stuff, which tends to have uh, less practiced actors. And so I'm wondering, like, when you get into like these actors who are A-list and are knocking out of the park, I'm assuming that they would give you variations in the performance so it's like take one is really good, but then there's a whole different way of interpreting the footage in the second one. And maybe I'm wrong about that, but like how how do you go through these takes that they're all good, you know, or they're all pretty good? It's no, it's I mean, you're not wrong. It's, it's a good question. You know, I think that what you find working with like like world class actors like that is that they will arrive on set having their performance figured out a lot of times. And so on take one, you might out of you know, there may be five takes take one might be just the thing and they've just got it nailed because they've spent so much time thinking about it they have so many years of experience and they're they've they've, they've thought about the character and 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 they've, they're just ready they're just ready as soon as the camera rolls take one boom and you have to be ready to see that you know instinctually you think that people ramp into performance and the later takes might be worthwhile i think when you have actors who are less experienced that is certainly the case a lot of times in those for, for someone who's acting in a scene with Helen or with Harrison Ford or Kevin Costner, their heart might be beating out of their chest on take one because they just can't believe they're there much the way that I sometimes can't believe that I'm sitting here being entrusted with their footage. But you so you have to you have to bear with them for a few takes until they relax and settle into what the character is doing. So how do you how do you put those things together? You watch everything. I mean, you really do. There's no shortcut to just watching everything. And ultimately, whether it's Helen Mirren or someone who's, you know, uh, an actor who's there for one day, you're trying to build the scene into a crescendo that that incorporates both of their performances or three or four characters, whoever's in the scene. So you, you know, at some point, they're not a they're not a movie star. They're just a character and their their performance. They have a certain inflection that I might like or that I think uh, is is correct to motivate the response from the person that they're playing against. You know, a way to think about it is like, yes, with with really experienced actors, you'll have variations. And it just means that you have more tools in your chest to to craft a scene together and make sure that it's building the right way. Um, and it, it comes from their their confidence and their willingness to try things and to be wrong about something and like go down a path that maybe doesn't lead anywhere. So um, yeah, the variety is really helpful, but ultimately you're just, you're trying to craft a scene no matter what, no matter who's in it. And um, they just give you, uh, they tend to give you more ways to do it. And, and, and they'll, they'll come up with something in a performance that you hadn't even thought of. They're like, oh, wow, I want it. I want that to be the, the spine of it. We're going to, we're going to have everyone else like vibe off of what Helen is doing in the scene, you know, and all of a sudden it changes the, the character of it. So um, it's uh, it's often embarrassment of riches. It's really fun, and it, it makes the job really, really fun and exciting. And it just makes you want to do your best to do justice to what they're giving. Now, I have to ask because when you know I talked to someone from Game of Thrones, and they had like a spreadsheet trying to keep track of the different storylines going mm -hmm. through. And when we started, it was just Yellowstone, but now we have 1883, 1923. Do you have something like that in your edit suite to make sure that like okay? I know that when this character's nephew or whatever gets to mm -hmm. here and they have to, we have to set these things up or how does that work? I don't, I mean, the, what I found is that you just, you, you, I, I usually work all, make sure in the script stage when I'm reading them, that I work all that out so that I make sure that I don't have any questions in my mind by the time I have footage coming in. Um, I know it's become a, uh, uh, 
you know, point of interest on the internet for people to try to figure out the family tree and, 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 and see who's related to what and how. Uh, and, and it is complicated. If it's something that you do all day, every day, it becomes complicated. And I just tend to, I, I have those things, at least as the, the current family sits, I have it pretty well under my fingers. But yeah, it's all of that stuff is is vital to the job, right? To understanding how who comes from where and, and what the connections are and, and how they impact other characters. And um, it's it's a fun, it's a fun puzzle. Um, and you just, again, throw hours at it and just immerse yourself in it. Um, but I don't, I don't have anything in my office hanging up. If I ever have a question, I can, I know who to call. Sorry to interrupt, but yeah, no, the, the original prequel had a narrator and what went into the decision of keeping that narrator? Was that like something that sort of happened in post or is that something that was just right written there? in from the very first draft? Um, and, um, and I, you know, I don't, I don't, I won't speak for Taylor on this because he has his own reasons. And I've never mm -hmm. asked him actually why we continue to have Isabel into in 1923. Um, she's, it's, it's obviously sparing compared to 1883. 1883 was a significant part of it. And we were also following her character while that character was alive. Uh, even though the voice was from beyond the grave the entire time, which you find out towards the end. So I think that it just, there, there are these, uh, I, I will say this when in, in season in 1923, episode one, we start and Helen um, kills this guy. You don't really know why yet. You don't find that out until episode three. And then, uh, and then Isabel's voice comes on. It does give me chills, even having edited that whole thing. Like I, there's something about the legacy of the family and then trying to find ways to keep things connected. She's able to give us some information very quickly about who Jacob and Kara Dutton are, their relationship to, you know, to the Tim McGraw and Faith Hill characters that Jacob is, is, uh, you know, Tim McGraw's brother. Um, so I think it's, it's it's helpful, but it also it also felt right. Like the ghosts of the past are still watching this family and seeing what they do. So something about the long term legacy of this story and, and that it exists over decades, of, you know, hundred and some odd years. Um, it it feels right to me, but I don't know exactly why Taylor did it. I don't want to get you into trouble, but Go which on. would you say was the most fun series to work on? Like in terms of story, like which Ooh. one you were like, oh, this this is so much fun. Nineteen twenty three is really fun. Yeah, it's just fun. Like there's, um, you know, the way that we've talked about it, it's kind of got this old Hollywood feel to it. There's this mm -hmm. old, there's this, this, this sweep to it. There's a lot of big you know, sweeping aerials. We're in Africa, these animals and, and uh, very glamorous, uh, at least to us now feeling, it just looks like such a glamorous time, like the speakeasy in episode three. And there's all these like cool things, the costumes, the outfits. And, um, and so 1923 was really, really fun. Um, 1883 was, was, incredibly rewarding and, and probably the single piece of work that I'm the most proud of in my professional career. Um, although all of it, I mean, it's, it's, um, it's sort of like picking your favorite child, I think, but um, it, it's just different. 1883 is, is uh, heavy in a different way. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's more um, you know, poetic, tragic. Uh, and I mean, there's a tragedy in 1923, but it's certainly different. And, and Yellowstone is actually just fun. And what's become fun about Yellowstone is the world around it. You know, for the first couple of seasons, we were just making this show about cowboys that no one really paid much attention to. I mean, it had a decent following. And then it became this, uh, I mean, phenomenon, I guess you'd have to say. And so the fun of that is in, in seeing how people react to it and, and hearing from folks that are like, oh, I, I love the show or you're meeting people, um, you know, like you, people that want to talk to me about the work. That's always actually really fun. They each are rewarding in their own way, but um 1923 just you know maybe it's just because it's the most recent had this energy to it and an excitement to it that was a lot of fun we really enjoyed it i mean the time constraints made it incredibly difficult 
physically and uh, <laughs> do it. But um, but yeah, that was that's a fun one. What was it that made Yellowstone sort of just take off and become a phenomenon all of a sudden? Because like you said, like I, the first couple seasons, it was, and all of a sudden, my yeah. mother at Thanksgiving is like, "Have you been watching Yellowstone?" <laughs> Same. I had people coming to me that I was. They were like, "Oh, I've seen Yellowstone. You saw Yellowstone, really?" Um, and now it's it, it's someone it surprises you if someone hasn't heard it just because people have like put it out there. It's it's in the. Yeah. I don't I don't know, and I think if anyone said that they knew they would they would do it every time and and i think you just you can't quite predict what's going to resonate with people and i think what's unquestionably true is that is that covid benefited us because people were poking around for shows that they might not ordinarily see it was outside of the you know the game of thrones like all those you know the breaking bads all that kind of stuff so you needed to have people sitting on their couches perhaps a little bit more and and finding their way to it but then um you know a large group of people has, has agreed that they all like it, which is, which is great. And, and some of it is that popularity breeds popularity, right? So if something becomes popular other folks want to see it and, and they actually want to enjoy it because they want to enjoy the thing that's, that's popular. But I think what, what, I think there's something about Yellowstone that genuinely resonates with people. And I think there's, it's a show that doesn't really have um, a lot of peers right now, you know, like just the, the nature of what it is and subject matter. I think that it's a show that you could see, politically a lot of different things in it. I personally think that you can see what you want to see in, in Yellowstone, um, no matter you know where you are and uh, the continuum of, of whatever we want to call our political situation in this country. Um, and I think it's about people who are sur- survivors and who are doing things and living a life in a way that a lot of us can aspire to. And, um, and just this living in this majestic place that feels like a fantasy world, but is actually in the US. So my guess is, is it's some combination of those things, but um, I don't know. I'm very grateful for it. Uh, I don't, I don't know. And I'm just, I'm, I'm happy that it exists for now and, and enjoying it while it lasts. And when you get to go on that fun ride for, for the next couple of years. It really is fun. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun to, to have to work on a show that's, that's, that's kind of resonated with people this way. And I think all of us who are in the business of entertainment, you just wanted to find an audience, you know? Yeah. Um, no matter how you find it, um, I'm, I'm happy that there's an audience. That's why we do it. We do it to, bottom line is we do it to entertain people and give them something to talk about. And if you've done those two things, like what, that's the greatest reward. So um, yeah, it's, it's a rewarding job in that sense. Is there a particular scene or moment in the series, in any of the series that was really difficult to get to come together, but you're really proud of the outcome and, and would use it on a reel, let's say, or show it to people? There's a lot of stuff that I'm very very proud of i think the the moment that comes to my mind is like the last three four five minutes of 1883 mm-hmm. uh in the postscript in a way we find out it's a year later and we've seen what happens to uh joseph and uh, that he's staked his land we see what happens to um uh thomas lamonica's character and uh noemi and uh, and her kids who are not his kids and um, so you tragically what happens with Sam, but but in a way you, you celebrate what happens with him because that's what he wanted. He's, he's, mm-hmm. He says early on in the series, he just wants to find, he wants to be with his wife, Helen, again. And then we see Isabel in, um, in what her version of heaven is. You know, the episode is titled, the episode 10 of 1883 is titled, This Is Not Your Heaven. And uh, I've always loved how Taylor titles his episodes. And if you, you get a chance to look through, not everyone sees them because they, you know, they don't necessarily pop up, but there's a bit of poetry to them in their own right. And so the way that that story concludes just felt so satisfying to me. Uh, and the fact that this, um, that we've lost this character, but she has found a life after, you know, her physical life uh, with the man that she loves. 
So I just, I, on the page, the way that that story wrapped up was so beautiful to me. And I'm so proud of how it came together from, it took, and it takes, again, it takes several hundred people um, working together to make that right. Um, and it takes a cast and, and music and costumes and all that stuff. But I just felt that that ending delivered to me as, a, as an audience member what it promised to me on the page. And that is not always something that happens. So um, yeah, I still get chills when I think about it. And I'm very proud to have been involved in, uh, in that. The thing I love about Taylor's work is how gray it is, like in the sense of like the moral, yeah. you could be like, oh, yeah, what he's doing is right. It needs to be done. Or mm-hmm. you could be like, this is horrible. Why, why are mm-hmm. they doing that? 1883 up is just phenomenal like that. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, I don't remember if you and I had this specific conversation last time, but he is fond. His characters are often saying um, some version of there is no such thing as right and wrong. And, and um, his stories are about people who are acting in the interests of themselves and their families. And so even when they do things that are, you know, you could judge them or horrific in some cases, or whether it's murder or destroying some other person's property, um, unto themselves unto the character themselves you understand their motivations they're not just, it's not it's not violence for violence's sake in 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 our stories at least i don't mm-hmm. it'd be hard for me to think of an example where it was um someone will probably think of an example where it was and i'll say yes you're right but um <laughs> for the most part it's about people who are who are doing things that might seem outlandish because it's what they believe is required to protect their family or their property or their their family's legacy or what have you mm-hmm. so um, yeah, the, the gray area. It's it's more interesting that way, right? There's no just like here's the bad guy and here's the good guy. I mean, there's a there's yeah. a there's a way to frame a lot of the different characters, even in Yellowstone, as either the good guy or the bad guy, depending on what point of view you you choose to bring to it. Well, and it's funny because like the old westerns, it'd be like the good guy's got the white hat, the bad guy's got the black hat. Whereas this the one, big like, mustache, yeah, and yeah. Uh, yeah, it was very easy to tell. Yeah. Um, there were like tropes around 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 that for sure, but um, yeah, you you could see. Uh, and people are that way, right? They're complicated. Sometimes mm-hmm. there's people who might, uh, who, who think I'm a nice guy. There's some people who might see me as a villain. That's just the way life works. You know, you you don't not no one is liked universally except maybe Henry Winkler. He's, he's, yeah, he's, he's one of the cool. nicest guys on the planet. So he might be the one, uh, but for the rest Keanu. of us, <laughs> Keanu, Keanu and Tom Hanks, who I, who I can actually vouch for having, having spent a little bit of time with him is everything you want him to be. There are some genuinely lovely people in the world walking around. The rest America's of us are uh, some, yeah, America's dead. <laughs> you know, everyone else is just, is just what's normal, which is some, some combination of it or some, you know, one thing to, to a certain group, one thing to others. So anyway, that's how the shows are like that. They're, they're um, nuanced in a lot of ways. Um, sometimes they are very uh, much not nuanced. But uh, I think our characters can be seen under a different light, depending on what situation they're in. And um, I enjoy that. I think that leads to the, the play along aspect of, of why our show is popular. And, and um, you know, if you've made something where people are not quite sure why a character did something and they want to talk to about it with their partner or their friends, like, what do you think about what that character did? I mean, that's the ultimate mm-hmm. uh, compliment when people don't quite have it figured out and, and want to engage others in conversation. Now, you've been really generous with your time. I just have one more question for you. What would you say is your favorite guilty pleasure film or TV show to watch? I don't have a ton of time for guilty pleasures. I am enjoying, uh, I I get to things like a year after they were popular. Uh, So right now I'm enjoying uh, White Lotus 
Uh, I'm into episode, uh, my wife and I are going to watch episode six of season two tonight. Uh, she's seen the whole thing already because she's a normal person with a normal uh, <laughs> time. Uh, and I enjoy Succession, but I have, I have, uh, I'm on season three. There was some huge, I know someone really important died recently and I've had, uh, I've, I've managed to not have any spoilers. So I, I do know I'll probably have to like yeah. blow through it very quickly to get through. Uh, and, and not do it. But I've always, I've always been there. So. You just started Succession? Just started it like two weeks ago. My wife's like, please just start watching it. <laughs> it's a great show. You know, but I, I've always been that way. When I was like, when I was in film school, I, I, my favorite show was 24, but I would never watch it as an air because I didn't have time. I would wait until it was on DVD. Back then there was no streaming. You know, this is 20 some odd years ago. And my, my, my roommate and I would just pick a weekend and we'd lock ourselves in the room. We'd order a bunch of pizza and we'd watch all 24 episodes of 24 and just enjoy it all at once. And uh, so anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm late to the game, but I, I, I enjoy great stories and great shows i just don't often have time to experience them uh when they're out uh, and you help pioneer binge watching <laughs> there you go yeah it was binge watching before we had a name for it thank you so much for letting me interview today my pleasure great to talk to you so that's my interview with chad and i'd like to thank chad for allowing me to interview him i'd also like to thank the production team here that's jason Banky, who is our producer and evan winch who does the editing and sound work remember if you use the cutting room as your code at filmmakeru.com, you get 10% off of any of the courses. That's the cutting room, all one word. I'm Gordon Burkell. Thanks for listening.